Hey, my friends, welcome to Tea Talk with Ty, the podcast that encourages you to take a sip and chat about life, wellness, love, and everything else in between. <laughs> I'm your host and new BFF, Ty Wonder, and I'm cheering you on to greatness. So grab a cup of coffee, tea, or whatever you prefer to sip on, get cozy, and let's chat. All right. Welcome to Tea Talk with Ty. And on today's episode, um, I have the fortunate. Now, let me start that again because that sounded terrible. I have the fortunate what? (laughs) (laughs) what? (laughs) I mean, no sense. Huh. It's Friday. My, I don't think I had enough caffeine today. Let me try that again. That's all good. Welcome to Tea Talk with Ty. On today's episode, I am talking to a lovely couple, the Tidwells. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Welcome, Carrie and Jamel. Jamel. I was I don't know where I got Jeremy from in my head. Welcome, Carrie and Jamel Tidwell to Tea Talk with Ty. I'm so excited to have you guys um, talking about the the state of the nation right now. Um, if you don't mind, start with introducing yourself. Let us know where you're from, um, where you live now, and let us know your ethnicity because we can't see you. Hi, my name is Carrie Tidwell, and I live in Apple Valley, Minnesota. I grew up in West St. Paul, Minnesota, and I am Lebanese and Irish. Sorry about that. Is that going off? I thought I turned it off. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, it was funny because I was thinking like Lebanese and cell phone. It started ringing. That was funny. Go I, ahead. I turned it on, but that didn't work. So anyhow, yes, I'm Lebanese. <laughs> so my, my dad is Lebanese and my mom is Irish and I'm like fourth generation here. So I grew up, I've been here for my great-grandparents are from the other wow. country, um, Lebanon and Ireland. Awesome, awesome. Um, my name is Jamel Tidwell. Um, I'm originally from Gary, Indiana. Um, I grew up in Bloomington, Minnesota. I moved to Bloomington, Minnesota in second grade, split time between Minnesota and Gary. I spent my summers in Gary, so I think a lot of little black kids know about uh, and and I'm a I'm a black man, African American, black. So a lot of little black kids know about going back to the hood or where they're from when they mm-hmm. move away from it and spending time with their grandparents and staying at their grandparents' house and cousins' houses and things like that. So, um, like I said, I'm from Gary, Indiana. I grew up in Bloomington, Minnesota, but Gary, Indiana, never left my house. So, um, yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm from. Gary, Indiana, home of Jackson Five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get that. <laughs> Everybody says that right away. Home of the Jacksons. Yep. Hey, I, I can relate. Being from the Augusta, Georgia area, oh, either man. they know the Masters or they know James Brown. They know nothing else. Yeah, they yeah. don't know either. Then they're like, "Yeah, I have no idea what that is." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, um, tell us, especially with your um with you guys being in Minnesota I can only imagine what the 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 air feels like you know just going outside to do normal things can you tell me 
how everything has made you feel since everything has gone down with George Floyd? So, um, I'm pretty, I work in education, so I'm an administrator principal at a middle school. So I've had, um, and it's, it's in the suburbs, so it's super rare to be a black administrator principal at a middle school in the suburbs where I got students are 53% students of color, uh, with 5% being black or African-American or Somalian, Somali-American. And we had to figure out a way that we can speak to our whole entire, our whole entire student body along with having affinity groups for um, our African-American children, the the students who identify as African-American or black. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was, those were difficult conversations that I had to have with, with, with some of those students. I didn't get to speak to um, our white students because our Mm -hmm. counselor did that. So I was just speaking to the black students for the most part. Um, I'm pretty, so I also have a, I'm working on my doctorate right now. So I got a friend who's in my doctoral class, who is like a really good friend of mine now. He mm-hmm. is actually the officer. He's a he's a black man. He's actually the officer who arrested all four of the officers. So oh, wow. he works for the BCA. So I've been really close to it because I speak to him every single day. So, and I also have a friend who is a white officer who is a sergeant in Apple Valley, who I speak to daily about things. So I'm kind of, I get torn a little bit about what's going on. So the climate in Minnesota right away was, it's been, it's been a little rough, you know, being for some reason, it's a a lot of, a lot of things fall on black people's shoulders. Right. So Mm -hmm. everyone expects us to, to explain to them, like it's our job. And I don't think any longer it should be that, but it's our job. Everyone thinks it's our job to explain to them, like why George Floyd got killed, what systemic racism is, um, what what systemic racism going all the way back to slavery and, and things like that. So, I mean, I'm just tired, to be honest with you, exhausted from explaining things and then thinking about things as far as my kids. have. I haven't really talked to my kids about it. We got a 13-year-old and a 2-year-old. So our 13-year-old, she, she gets it. Obviously, our 2-year-old really doesn't. But things have been... Right. Things have been it's 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 been a little wild, but um we're making it through. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Carrie, what's your thoughts? How's everything made you feel? Yeah, it's um it's it's a lot taking like I'm a slow processor, but um for sure it gets me to think about like what I posted about on conversations I've had with Jamel in the past about everything happening and him bringing certain things to my awareness that I didn't have before because Mm -hmm. I was privileged to not have to think about. And I didn't really Mm -hmm. understand the whole privilege thing at first until he, you know, explained it. And like, now I really get it. (laughs) And, um, cause I, you know, I didn't grow up wealthy and that's what I used to have these assumptions about things. And I think maybe a lot of, white people can relate to that of like white privilege well I didn't grow up with all this stuff that you think material privilege but it's the so I I, am um just really wanting to understand and hear and listen and and be a voice to to share in the best way I can to make a difference because I've had these conversations with him before where he was like you have to know all this stuff because we have kids of color and I was like 
in denial of it shouldn't be this way because I didn't think that way, but the world isn't like that. And so I have, you know, it's a harsh reality of like, I, I get what's been happening and it's horrible and I don't understand it, but now I'm really inspired to want to make a difference and not just brush things under the rug and, and figure out what I can do. How can I be of service and how can I help and, in the best way moving forward. Uh, but it's been intense here for sure with everything happening with the riots, just watching all the news and, and people's live videos is different than the news. So being, you know, um, knowing that not everything you see on media is true and trying to decipher. And, and when you're seeing your friends in the front lines posting stuff about what, what's really happening is, it's um it's just a lot it's a lot to take in a lot to understand but all i know is i want um i want things to be different moving forward and i want um i'm going to speak out more than than hold back of sharing and figuring out a way to come together to make a change right i love it um questions since you brought that up what what is going on in that area right now with as far as the rioting goes because you know what we see on tv right now um in the media is that it's just bananas 24 7. you know it's uncontrolled there's so much rioting and looting um it, it looks like a war zone from what we see but is that really what's happening there I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I would say, I mean, I really haven't been down there. To, we live 20 minutes away from Minneapolis, and mm -hmm. I haven't gone down there as much as I used to right at this time just because it's just really emotional and things like that. But right. uh, it's, I think the media, the media blows things up a little crazier than what it is. I mean... Mm -hmm. Things are happening, but it's not like a it's not like a war zone. I mean, it's I mean, yeah, they did the the third precinct did get burned down. They did uh, start the fifth precinct on fire, um, but re we have to remember that the protesters and rioters are different people. And there then there has been there has been like black black suburbans riding around with with no license plates on and things like that and. And there's some white supremacists and things like that going on around here. So I think the media blows things up a little bit, a little bit much. But mm -hmm. um, as far as writing, I think that first, maybe like that Wednesday and Thursday, it was kind of crazy. And then the governor and both mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul started to get things under control, especially when the curfew went into effect. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about it is seeing all the people come together yeah. and in prayer and, and peaceful protesting and actually, mm -hmm. and there's also the peaceful protesters that are trying to stop the, the looting and, right. you know, all of that. And so it's, um, my hope is that the media doesn't, isn't just portraying that it's the protesters doing that because that's so not the case. We're actually really trying to keep the peace and to see people come together. I know my sister and her husband went down there to help clean up and there was there wasn't oh, wow. enough work for them to do. So the beauty of it all is seeing everyone coming together to help. Um, and so they, amongst the chaos, there is there is that beauty piece of people coming together for change and wanting to make a difference and 
Um, but yes, there it, it, the stuff I've seen too was crazy of people trying to protect, you know, everyone's, you know, out that lives in that area. We're all trying to, to protect their city um, from the looting and all of that. And so, yeah, that is calmed down as far as I know over, you know, since last night. So I haven't really watched the news, but, um, but yeah, seeing how people come together is, is, that is has nice. That a really beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have cried so many days um, looking at BuzzFeed had a beautiful post um, with different pictures from all around the world of peaceful protests and you know, it was really a a rainbow of people of all kinds of shades that were all together. You know, it was a beautiful thing. I'm really proud of. Um, I'm really proud of the nation with coming together and realizing, hey, this isn't right. We shouldn't still be going through this. Let's figure out how we can fix it, and let's at least come together. You know, mm-hmm. this re- it makes me really hopeful for our kids, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Especially in, yeah. yeah, and hearing kids, like I watched a video that I posted of a little girl and her experience, and I think it's important for people to, to see that emotion and see what's happening to the young kids. And our son is two and he has no idea. <laughs> He's so nice. happy and I, just thinking about having to explain this to him breaks my heart, you know? Um, the things things sh- sh- don't have to be this way, and they shouldn't have been this way. And right. yeah, right. What do we, with your experience too of like talking with people, what do you feel is the best thing moving forward? Um, I I honestly and I've loved doing these interviews because I've tried to interview people from all different walks of life. So. Um, like with you guys, you're an interracial couple. I've interviewed. Um, I don't. I don't like saying colors, by the way. That's just me. <laughs> I feel like if all flavors are awesome, but they just might not be your cup of tea. So whether it's chocolate or pecan tan or white vanilla or <laughs> or whatever. So I'm a I'm a I'm a flavor girl. But um, I talked to um, some vanilla women. Um, one who is of Jewish descent. Um, second generation, I believe, Jewish. So it's very, it hits very close to home of being targeted based on um, your background. Um, I've talked to um, chocolate women who have sons. I've talked to um, cops. I've talked to people from different walks of life, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different parts of the country where they're from. And I've left every conversation in awe um, because it's just, you you can hear the sense that everyone wants to figure it out, how we can come together. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's so much confusion of how to make it happen. Um, The things that I love the most, I don't know if y'all can hear that thunder that just started. It is crazy all of a sudden. Um, (laughs) Um, the, the, one of the first women that I interviewed, Cassandra, who's the one of Jewish descent, um, you know, she just said like, maybe I'm ignorant because I didn't know what white privilege was. You know, I didn't know that I had it, but now that I understand it, 
after her and I had a conversation about it. She said, now I get it. Now I'm, now I'm pissed, you know, that mm-hmm. I have this privilege and I didn't even ask for it. I don't want it. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, um, another vanilla friend of mine that I talked to, she asked the same thing. Like, I don't really know how to help. I don't know what to do. And I, I um, explained to her, I feel like the best The only thing we can really do right now, my personal opinion, is figure out how to come together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Figure out how to have conversations across the board and at least us, the people, be unified. Um, The police officer I talked to, he um, he felt like for us to trust the police again, that's up to the police. It's nothing to do with the general public. But if we, as a nation, don't learn how to come come together and respect, honor, and love each other as humans, you know, um, I feel like we're going backwards in time because segregation wasn't that long ago. You know, that was in my mother's lifetime and I'm not even 40 yet, you know, like, and it's just, it, it blows my mind because I feel like we thought um, well, I thought I'm I'm going to speak for me and a few chocolate people. I know. I think we thought once we got an African-American man in the White House, that maybe things racially would start to change. Because I know when I was growing up, that was a thing that you couldn't be. You couldn't be the president of the United States because there's never been one that has any pigment in his skin. So you can't do that. Um, and so I thought, you know, well, maybe people are starting to see us as equal at least. And it just seems like, uh, we went backwards, Mm -hmm. you know, we went backwards back to 1960, you know, 1958. It just, it, it blows my mind, but I, I'm really hopeful and thankful that most people are are trying to at least have the conversation to figure out what to do next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What have those conversations been like with um, with you and and family members? Because I'm sure you have family members that were concerned for your husband um, and what that dynamic is like. How how has that been for you, Carrie? Um. Just trying to educate myself as much as possible to to help in that way. So, um, more or less, I've been talking with my sister a lot about stuff of like, how can I show up in the best way now moving forward, and um, and then talking to other white people because now they're like, I had no idea like what you were saying about the white privilege thing and some of their groups of friends don't really get it yet. And then trying to figure out how to explain things in a simple way. And um, and then the, you know, Black Lives Matter. And I've heard that, you know, where some people talk about, well, all lives matter. And so my mm-hmm. sister gave me an analogy that talked about, and I thought this was a really good thing to share. And she said, you know, if your child dies and you're talking about your child to you know a group of people and you're explaining like you know in depth of what that child meant to you and how you know all the you know sharing your heart with that about this child and then someone it's like someone in the crowd saying well all all children matter 
and mm. and that hit me. yeah and that was like yeah I get it you know like that's that's a it's a it's great to break it down in that way um because right. I remember when I first heard the all you know black lives matter I I judged it my own self of like well all lives matter so I, I didn't get it right, <laughs> um, right. And so I wanted to call out my own ignorance too, to help other people. Like I thought the same thing. Like I just, I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't get it because I haven't had to look through that lens my whole life. Right. And right. so when you can like take a step back and really think about walking in, in their, in their shoes, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot different than just, just saying all lives matter. Cause that's not, that's not even the point. And so right. Um, just trying to yeah explain things in a way that is is not coming off as judgmental and can just be a, an ear to listen. And then I'm still figuring things out and wanting to get educated and learn more too. Because even though I've been married to a black man, I feel like I'm starting to understand things in a different way than I did before. Right. Right. Okay. Um. Tell me, one or both of you, what are some of your biggest fears about the out, the possible outcome of everything going on right now? My biggest fear of the possible outcome. So I got a couple, right? So my biggest fear of the possible outcome. And Ty, I'm telling you, when I tell you, like I'm from, I'm from the hood. I'm from the street. So, mm -hmm. I, so I've seen a lot of stuff. I had, a, I've had a lot of serious, serious things happen in my life. Right. Like I've lost a lot of people. And, and I know a lot of people that didn't make it. To, I'm 37. So I got, I have, uh, I know a lot of people that didn't make it to see their thirties and things like that. So my biggest fear is one, if these cops don't get convicted and see jail time and they get off, that it's going to be worse than a riot. Mm. That's one of my biggest fears. And another fear is, is if, if they, let's say they do even, let's say they do get jail time. The, the three get the third degree that they get they're, they're supposed to get and the one gets the second degree it's everybody forgetting about what happened and then just going back to their regular old stuff cops killed still doing the same things I mean how many times how many names do we have to say that people would protest I mean we can go all the way back I guess they didn't really protest during Emmett Till I can't even remember but like we can still go all the way back all the way back when people were dying let, let, let's go just as far back as Michael Brown, right? He pro right. protests, and now all of a sudden, everybody pretty much forgot about Michael Brown until something else happened, right? Mm -hmm. Until the next thing happened. So it's like people not forgetting, and then actually have an actual change, right? It's 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 the systemic stuff that's going on. If if, right. if we can get rid of the systemic racism, then we would be able to get rid of the things that are going on. So what I think that should happen, I think obviously we need legislation change. We need to get um more more uh i i don't really like saying people of color because our only color i know is black so like your chocolate color that's what i that's what i know <laughs> and that's what i refer to because like i was telling people an asian person like a, a japanese person or a chinese person is very different than a black person but a Hmong person in minnesota and a black person have a lot more in common so right. it's like i say black but we need to see more black and brown people or hispanic people put in in leadership positions whether they're going to be high up in the clergy in the school system in um and police officers sergeants and chiefs and things like that the fire department 
um, out in our businesses, CEOs, CFOs, and things like that. That's what we need to do. We need white people to be courageous enough to not say, well, I got to go with the person with more experience. Well, you're going with the person with more experience is the white person. Obviously, they have more experience because they've been given more opportunities. So we need the white, right. we need the person, the white person that's in charge to say, well, I'm going to go, this person, they have equal experience. I'm just going to take a chance. I got to go with this person. I got to go with this, this black person because we need change. We need people to see these black people in leadership positions so we can see things. And then we're going to continue. That's how we start breaking down the system and things like right. that. It's like white people need to start policing policing themselves as well and we all kind of got to police our ourselves and our friends as well so like if i see my friend doing some nonsense or making generalizations i have to police that and white people need to do the same thing but it's going to take i think it's going to take them it's going to take them saying stuff because we've said so much and no one listens obviously it's still happening so it's going to take them saying stuff to each other there hasn't been a law made that has benefited black people that didn't benefit white people, you know? So it's going to take, it. it's going to take them doing something. Laws are made to benefit the dominant culture. So I think it's really going to take them. Right. Right. And, you know, I, I, in educating some of my vanilla friends, I've reminded them like, Hey, the system that was created was never created for us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was, it was not our system to begin with. So it's not a system that's going to benefit us. Mm-hmm. You know, we've just, we've, we've got strong genes in our DNA and we just don't give up, but yeah. we wasn't, we were not created to, um, the the things were not created to go in our favor. Yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um how do you imagine having these conversations with your kids? I mean, I'm just going to tell well, our daughter is so she was from a previous marriage that Carrie had that so I adopted her when she was 7, but so oh, she goes to my school. I'm actually one of her principals at her school. That's so so cool. she um is going to be 14 next month. So, I mean, she's, the conversation with her is actually, it's fairly easy. She's asking, mm-hmm. she's like way intelligent. It's crazy to me. Very, very mature. <laughs> so with her, it's easy. Um, I mean, she's, I mean, her mom's half Lebanese, so she's Lebanese and, and Hispanic or Mexican. So she's got darker skin. So mm-hmm. she, she, she gets it. She starts to get, get it. But it's what's going to be harder is me being a man and then have to explain it to my little boy who's going to become a man saying, like, if you get pulled over by the police, keep both your hands on the steering wheel. Don't start talking stuff to the police. Just keep your hands and we'll figure it out. We'll litigate them if we have to. Yes, sir. No, sir. Make sure your insurance is already on the dashboard. Make sure that your wallet is already in your hands before they get to the car. Um, things like that. Make sure that you use your signals. Make sure whatever you do, no matter what, you don't drink, drive, whatever. I don't don't smoke a cigarette and drive if you choose to do that, right? right. You don't want to give them any reason. Right. So that's going to be a tougher conversation. I'm sure. I'm sure. I don't. I don't yet have a son, but you know, my my fiance is a black man. Yep. yep. At first, he it used to it used to get on his nerves when I would ask him because when we had when we started our relationship, we were a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. And he's a black man with long locks. Oh yeah. And he's typically driving his grandmother's Crown Victoria. Yep. 
I know the listeners are so tired of me saying that, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's relevant to the story. So you know when I when I said that, you understand like to some people that looks extremely ghetto. Like he could be yeah. he could be looked at in a negative way, although he's not doing anything wrong. He yep. just loves his grandma's car because yep. he misses his grandma and he loves to grow his hair out. Yep. You know. And um, I used to ask him, especially if he was going out at night or if he was traveling from Charlotte to his hometown, hey, let me know when you make it there safely. And at first, I think he thought, like, you trying to keep tabs on me? I don't care where you are. I just want to know that you're safe. Because if you said, you know, you're going to be home, you're going here, and it's been five hours and you haven't gotten home yet, like... I know something's wrong, you know, and and I kind of have an idea of where you're at, you know, if some if you if you're pulled over and something happens, especially driving in the country in certain areas in the south. Um, but having a conversation after George Floyd and he got emotional and crying, he's like, I totally get it now. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I just want to make sure you're safe because. Um you have to think about that thought of the black man that you love that some somebody else may not see all of those amazing qualities about him and treat him the wrong way and then he doesn't make it home over some foolishness absolutely um so i cannot imagine um I, i just i my heart really goes out to people who have sons you know that they have to think about in this time right now because as a mom you know your love is different as a mom and a wife you know like that came from you oh god i can't imagine that yeah. i'm praying for you guys having that conversation you got a while thankfully i know it's like i would <laughs> hopefully like, things would be different by then i would think like if my son didn't my my wife has the she's the most beautiful person ever beautiful inside and out. but she but like so she's super nice but I, I know, because I know my son at two years old, I know right now I'm going to talk to him about it, and he's going to be like, yeah, whatever. Then I'm like, okay, so you want me to beat you? I'm going to beat the crap out of you first before the cops have to do it. At least I'm not going to take your life. So, And she would never tell him anything like that. But I feel like I'm, I I just don't want it to have to come to that because I would rather do something to him and make sure my son comes home safe rather than, right. than obviously the opposite. Right. Have you ever had a personal um, incident with police brutality or a police officer that was just a little aggressive? Oh, or man. A, a lot of incidents. A lot. I I actually, I watched, I watched my best friend one time. So we got into an altercation. I mean, college kids. We got an altercation. I mean, we got an altercation. And this white kid uh, said that we had a gun. And we didn't, we didn't know he called 911 said we had a gun. And we were all yeah. leaving. We got pulled over. It was in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. When we first we went to undergrad in Minneapolis, so when we first went to school, we knew not to mess with Minneapolis Police Department because they, we we had heard stories. So anyway, we got put out of the car. The police were all on the ground. We had our our white buddy with us, and my buddy. The, the funny thing is, it was Ryan. We had our friend Ryan with us. The funny thing is, when the police we had gone to McDonald's, and the police told us to pull over drop everything and we stopped my buddy pierre and i stopped eating everything put our hands up ryan's still eating 
because he's white. And, oh, and I'm like, dude, stop eating. <laughs> stop eating. So we get out of the car, hands on the ground, whatever, getting handcuffed. I get put in the back of the car. I hear Pierre screaming. They let the dog bite him. Oh, my God. That was his second time getting getting beat up by the police. I got pictures he's actually just sent me to my phone a couple days ago. Second time, the first time he got beat up by the police is, I don't know what happened, but all I know is we're at the bar, and then Pierre was getting hemmed up by the police, and they weren't hemming him up like they hem you up like, okay, you got to go. They were like beating him up. It wasn't the security guard. It was the Minneapolis Police Department. So the hospital took pictures in case he wanted to press charges. And you know, I mean, him and I are from the hood. So it's like, we, one thing, we didn't even have money to press charges to get a lawyer. Or like, we didn't even really know how to do that stuff. So that's part of the reason that we, as black people, sometimes we get, people get away with doing nonsense to us. Because sometimes we just don't know, have the know-how. Right. So it's like, cause we haven't been put in these positions as far as like having power because of the system. So okay. it's been doing nonsense, but yeah, I've had, um, I've had quite a few run-ins, but I'm, I'm smart enough or, or mature enough. Now when I was younger, I used to talk smack and then figure that didn't get me anywhere, but, um, <laughs> I'm smart enough now. Like, man, I got a wife and kids on a home and I got all, I got 1,100 kids at the school that I work at. I don't have to. I got to get home safe. I just got to make right. us safe. And now I I know how to litigate people now. So, yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, that is the, that story is such a clear picture of what white privilege is. Yeah. You know, the fact that he was just eating and just like, what are they going to do? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'd be t- terrified, you know, like, oh, my God. And, and my buddy, Ryan, actually. He, he was in one of he was in he was in our wedding, so him and I were have I, a, a while ago when, when um, Black Lives Matter first came out, they came mm-hmm. up strong in Minnesota, and they were they were they were protesting or not protesting they were just disrupting the the Twin Cities Marathon. The Twin Cities Marathon is huge in Minnesota, so mm-hmm. a lady at my school, one of our uh, teachers' assistants, posted something on Facebook. I don't have any social media now, but. She posted something on Facebook and I saw it. It was like, why do they need to disrupt the marathon, blah, blah, blah. So I just wrote her a little text message and say, hey, we work at a school. If you want, and she's a white lady, older lady. And I've been working with her for a long time, actually trying to work to change how she thinks about things. But um, I said, if you want to express yourself, just send the text to me first so we can talk about it. And then after I stopped texting her, I was, I was with some buddies in Wisconsin at a football game. And I was like, man. I was like something about racism and I was trying to explain to him and there's a bunch of white guys. And Ryan told me he works for, mind you, he works for Wells Fargo, probably wow. one of the whitest companies ever. He goes, I don't, <laughs> I never experienced racism. I was like, dude, dude. So he, he, he like tried to, he was trying to argue. I mean, he's a very intelligent guy, but when it comes to intelligence, him and I, I mean, we going back and forth, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, give all these different examples of racism that's happened that he experienced on a daily basis. I said, first off, you're probably, you're at Wells Fargo. How many black people that you have? I'm saying black. I'm not saying anything else. I said, how many black people in your cubicle that's next to you have around you? Well, none. I said, that's systemic racism, man. (laughs) But yeah, so I mean, we, I still got a long way to go. I got a lot of white friends and I got, I got probably more black friends, but I still, I mean, it's a, it's a daily fight. 
Right. You know, what's interesting, and I'm going to ask you your thoughts on it. I was um, mentioning to someone else, like it's when you have a lot of uh, friends of other ethnicities, which I do, because I love everybody. I don't care what color, creed, religion. I don't care about any of that. I agree. You you like me, I love you. But um, one of the hardest things for me is... Um, as proud as I am of my culture, you, I, I, I don't want to be like that, uh, that, um, meme from the movie. He's like, I'm black and I'm blackity black. And then I'm black y'all. <laughs> like, I don't want to be yeah. so black that I, I offend people, yeah, I but I don't want to seem like I'm shying away of my culture. So how, how does that work for you? Do you feel that way? Um, I hear, I hear exactly what you're saying. So I'm probably leaning into that a little more. So okay, I'm like I'm gonna say a couple different things. This, by the way, that's a that was a that's a brilliant question. That's the best question I've done podcast, and this is the best question I've ever had. So, <laughs> well, thank mom, you. I don't know if your mother or father says to you, but my mom, we'd be in grocery stores and things like that. And you know, like don't ask for nothing, don't look at nothing, blah blah blah. Right, don't right? touch nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and as soon as as soon as you do, my mom look at me and say, "You want me to show my color in here?" Right? right, like that's <laughs> like I know what that means. You about to get busy, right? Right. So, and my mom is like I said, she's from the hood. So that's I mean, she's still like take you to the bathroom and yeah, um, <laughs> talk to you, but there ain't gonna be no talk. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> I've kind of, I've kind of like I like I I don't really. I really kind of try to uh, keep things professional when I'm around, like when I'm at work, right? So a lot of my black kids use the N-word, right? So I, I don't tell black kids they can't use the N-word because I use the N-word with my friends all the time. So mm-hmm. so I don't tell them. I say, hey, this is a this is a place of business. We're not using the N-word at business because I can't use the N-word here because I this is work for me and this is work for y'all. So we're not going to use that, right? So mm-hmm. I said, when you're outside, you can do it. And I explain them. I use the N-word, but... I'm not going to do it at work. I just can't do it at work. So again, like, like as far as not being like too black and I know exactly what you mean, like offending people mm-hmm. it depends on the situation. Like if I'm, if I'm in a mall or at a bar, the reason why I don't say I'm not going to be like that because I want to be like, well, all black people act like that. Literally, literally right. they know that they are talking about uh future Dr. Tidwell. You know what I'm saying? You know, they have, right. they have no idea. So I try to keep it cordial because I want them to understand because a lot I don't want people like I've never had a great interaction with a black person so I'm always like keeping it cordial but when I'm with my friends in the hood or things like that I feel like I can just be myself you know what I mean right absolutely so even like with my with my wife and my family I feel like I can just be myself mm-hmm. so yeah so wow, wow. I mean, it's like a little it's like it's like we I talk to kids a lot about home language and school language and mm, language that you use with your uh with your with your homeboys or homegirls so i talk to them a lot about that and they understand that a little bit more so and it, and it really has nothing to do with you know you talk about code switching it's code switching a little bit but it's just the language you use when you were certain people like i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say what up to my wife when she says hey honey <laughs> you know what i mean i'm not gonna say that to her i'm a <laughs> you know how's it going whatever you know so yeah, that's that's kind of how i try to how i try to to do things i try to use language with certain people just home language school language homeboy language um wife language kid language 
I think that might be all of my questions for you guys. Oh, wait, I lied. I have one more. Um, you've seen, if you've been looking at the media, where there have been people back, I don't want to say backpedaling, but they've gone back and changed their opinion on uh, Kaepernick's silent protest. Yeah. Now, yeah. now that things are, not that it was never open before, but it's you can't escape it now. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts when he originally started his protests and are they the same now? Um, I think it's, you want to go first? You want me to go? So I think, so when Colin Kaepernick, when I, when they first brought it to light, because he was doing it for a while before people really noticed it, when they first brought it to light, that very next day I went to school, we say the pledge every day at my school, that very next day was the first time that I stopped saying the pledge and I just put my head down and prayed. So I didn't want to bring I didn't want to bring attention to myself because I didn't want to make it about me. But I just right. I've I've been in silent protest ever since because the one I didn't want to pledge my allegiance to anybody but Jesus, and two I was in huge support of Colin Kaepernick and I always have been. So right. I haven't said the pledge since I can't even remember how long it's been now. But ever since then, and it's pro- it'll be probably forever for me now because I, I'm just I'm not gonna do it. And even during the national anthem. I'll stand up for it, but I'm not going to, I won't sing. I'm not going to participate, but I don't want to bring any attention to myself because I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about what, what Kaepernick's mission is, what he's out, what he, what he really wants to do. And I just think right. it, I don't know if anybody else has thought about this, but I thought it was so ironic that the, that the police officer was kneeling on this man's neck. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then Kaepernick used that, and they threw him out of the football league. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I thought it was just so ironic. Right. Carrie, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I um, I mean, I'm with him all the way because I, I feel like this whole country was built on oppression and there's so many injustices and so many, the, the whole system needs to be revamped and, um, and deconstructed to reconstruct. And I feel like this all of this is happening to build on a hopefully healthier foundation. Um, I think a lot of people that didn't have awareness about things are now seeing the awareness and things are all coming to the surface in a clearer way. Uh, I know that's what's happening for me and I'm really more inspired to use my voice and to use um, whatever I gifts, gifts that I have to really help shift um, not only through talking about systemic racism and changing the systems but with our I mean all the way back to our, our food and and even talking about food and um, underprivileged neighborhoods and same with native right. working communities and black communities and it's not set up for health either and so so many things need to shift in our world and um, my passion is health stuff, health related, so I could talk about that all day long. Um, but really, <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah. So tra- you know, transforming all of that. But I, like I said, that it was, and I felt like I was lied to in school. Like I didn't learn the truth about history. Um, mm. And so as I start grew up and started understanding things more and learning what really happened with the Native Americans and what. And, you know, I learned what happened with slavery stuff. And I remember when I first learned all that, I was in shock that that actually happened. Like people were actually like that to another human. And then when I, because I was pretty sheltered. And once I like 
learned about that, I was like, I can't believe that wasn't that long ago. <laughs> I right. I still don't understand how it really wasn't. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. And even, um, you know, for Native Americans to practice their own religion wasn't that long ago. And like stuff mm -hmm. like that is just um, shocking to me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I'm with him on that and a, a lot of things need to be shifted. He was making a major stand for that and I honor and give him a lot of respect for doing that. Right, I agree. I think it's, it's interesting. She said you felt lied to at school because I have said several times, I feel like, um, you know, there's a saying, those who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it. And it's almost like we haven't learned our history as a nation because we, how soon we forget that this country brought people here against their will and you know split up their families beat them force them to do whatever they wanted to do for their own gain and then those people had to fight for the rights to be looked at as the same intelligent of a species as they are mm -hmm. um and um to be honest my my nine-year-old daughter she I usually watch Roots every year, but I haven't watched it in a few years. Uh, just to remind myself of what my ancestors went through to, you know, kind of get my own kick in the butt of, hey, get your stuff together. You got work to do. Um, and this past February, she wanted to watch it with me. I felt like she was old enough to understand. And um, I also knew that she was never going to learn exactly what had happened in school like they gloss over it you know oh they were they were slaves mm -hmm. okay so mm -hmm. then there was this you know but it watching roots with her and of course she can't get past well I don't understand why the vanilla people didn't like the chocolate people why did they do that to the chocolate people I don't understand why the vanilla people did that well, I'm with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's comical but it's not hearing her say that but, you know, in watching it, watching it as an adult again, and then watching it with her, I'm thinking about how, um, how that really is our history. You know, we were, we were brought here and we're still trying to beat the odds. But, um, one of the, uh, the, one of the episodes we were watching the other day, one of the slave owners said, well, you know, they're not, they're, they're along the intelligence of a monkey. Mm. And she just looked at me and she's like, mommy, what does that mean? And I said, they didn't think we were smart people. They thought we were stupid like monkeys. And then he goes on to say, well, this is the best thing that ever happened to them. And so we brought them over here. Mm. And thinking about it from a, from a history standpoint, you would think there would be something bridging the gap of not saying that, you know, uh, vanilla people should be apologizing to us every day because that was something that happened years and years and years ago. But you, there should be some conversation somewhere in there to how the, that gap can be bridged because we never had a fair shot, if you think about it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and what are we going to do to make sure that 
everyone is going to get a fair shot because isn't that what America's supposed to be? Yeah. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's, um, it's, it's, it's right. You said you, you felt lied to. I, I agree. Especially growing up in the South. I know they glossed over. Mm-hmm. They glossed over slavery and made it seem like it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. You know, which is, which is why, um, people had to make movies like Roots and The Roots Next Generation and um, Harriet and all of these other movies that really explain what it was like living in a time where we were looked at as less than humans. You know? yeah. It's that we have to look to, to television <laughs> to really give us a good history lesson, you know, and it's not in the school books. Yeah, no, I was in 10th grade when I first saw Roots. I, that's when I really understood the shock. Yeah. Just completely shocked. And then it made me want to, like, be friends with every black person and get to know them and love them. And, like, right. like I was just like, I, I can't believe people were treated this way. And I it opened my eyes to just want to learn more about other cultures and different places. But I also just had this, like, I was, I still am in shock of that, that yeah. how can another human do that to another human? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to watch and I can't imagine as a, you know, nine year old. Yeah. She's surprisingly, she's taken it in, in good stride and she's watched me cry, mm. you know, and she, and we've talked about like why it made me emotional. Mm-hmm. We've had good dialogue about, um, I always told her strive for excellence, you know, mm-hmm. Just because you made a B, don't just strive for the B, strive for all A's. You know, let the B be a, a consolation prize. You know, and I explained to her, I said, this is why mommy's tough on you about getting your work done um, and being being so smart and, um, and trying to do things that are good for your community and for you because your ancestors never had a chance mm-hmm. so you you owe that to them and yourself to do as much as you can because even her opportunities are different than my opportunities mm-hmm. you know um i was speaking to my mom earlier today and we were talking about uh the racism in the marine corps and she was telling me how a, a, a vanilla friend of hers that lived across the street from her when I went off to the Marine Corps, she said, I wish I would have caught her before she went. I would have told her to go anywhere but the Marine Corps or the Navy. Mm-hmm. And my mom was explaining to me, because I don't remember this conversation. Um, she said, she was explaining to her why, because the Marine Corps and the Navy were, you know, so racist. And she said, well, knowing that, would you have still gone to the Marine Corps? Because I it did experience a lot of racism in the Marine Corps. And um, I told her, I said, I absolutely would, you know, but somebody has to make the difference. And she didn't realize that the Marine Corps was the last military branch to integrate. You know, they still have the base where the Montfort Point Marines were. They had the black Marines in one place and the white Marines somewhere else, you know, like they couldn't live together. They couldn't necessarily serve together, but they had the same title, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
now that small base they've changed the name and it's in quotation marks the hood base <laughs> wow yeah yeah it's um it's it just it just blows my mind but i'm just hoping by the time our babies get our age things will have changed yeah and Absolutely. i think it takes like these conversations and your podcast and coming together i think this is such a beautiful opportunity for more people to unite and come together for the greater cause so that way i you know my prayers i don't have to explain <laughs> You know, absolutely. He has this. He has to have this fear, and I could teach them like right. when you were two, this was all happening, and it's better now. Um, right. Yeah, that's my, right. my. Yeah, I thank you for bringing up the conversation and and doing the work you're doing to help share this. Thank you, thank you. I, you know, like I said, I I know my my little podcast is like the little engine that could <laughs> I might not be able to change the world but I could at least use my voice and and give other people a platform to use their voice and we all have a discussion and look at things um, objectively from everybody's view and come across to have you know to bridge that gap so I'm hoping and praying with these conversations um, they lead to more conversation and if it changes one person's perspective um, or helps one person heal then hey it is all worth it and I just thank God for it every day yeah for sure absolutely well I think I am all out of questions for you guys but do you have any other thoughts or remarks you'd like to share before we close um I just I just think that it's unfortunate that this had to happen, but everything happens for a reason. And the silver lining in the whole thing is that black, white, or I could say chocolate, vanilla, um, <laughs> caramel, are all come, everybody's coming together. Everybody's coming together, and and um, I I don't really expect it, but I'm hopeful for change. Right, right. So, so I'm hopeful. Um, I think you should keep doing what you're doing, and. Tell your your fiance if I can grow hair, if I could grow hair, I'd have hair like him. So respect, man, respect. Thank you. He takes he takes pride in telling me and my daughter my hair is longer than yours. <laughs> and, and and he's like I locks have always been interesting to me, but he's got like smaller locks and they're always so neat. And I'm like, yeah. how do you do that? But then I try not to be too cool about it because I don't want him to think like it's too cool <laughs> you know I'm so jealous <laughs> yeah 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 well thank you thank you so much Carrie did you have any other final thoughts before we close no I just am appreciative of this conversation and I'm going to continue to learn and, and share in the best way that I can and um, yeah just grateful we're all coming together to to make the world a better place and and more equal for sure awesome yeah I think the, um, I, I hate that it took someone losing their life the way yeah. it did but I you know I I always lean on Romans 828 you know with every situation and I just I hate that it took this but I'm just thinking there's got to be some good that comes out of this and seeing so much unity just gives me so much hope so yeah I totally agree it's unfortunate yeah, so but- thank you guys for all the work you do as uh 
health and wellness professionals and shaping our young minds, two very important jobs. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) And thank you for joining me today on Tea Talk with Ty. Um, You guys stay safe. And um, I truly appreciate you guys for joining me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me this week on Tea Talk with Ty. I would love to connect with you. I am on all social media platforms at I am Ty Wonder and online at tywonder.guru. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave me a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week. started Tea Talk with Ty, I was so nervous of how to make it all work. But let me tell you about the program that made it so easy for me. It was Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's absolutely the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free 99. You can't beat free 99. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere. Did I mention you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership? What? It's everything you need to make a podcast in absolutely one place. So take that leap, start that podcast, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.